I'm a third party logistics company. My number one client right now is Amazon. There's thousands of Amazon franchisers out there. You could make, you know, a million dollars teaching them. Maybe there's tens of thousands of people that would be interested in starting this business if you've already solved the hardest, most annoying, frustrating problems that there is to solve to get into it. You're going to save them time, make them more money, and it's going to cost them a fraction of what that represents. That's a new growth strategy or new business model. And you do that by productizing your intellectual property and your processes. Maybe Amazon buys you. Welcome to the Optimize Podcast, the only show that solves business challenges in real time. Join Nick Sonnenberg, a world-leading operational efficiency expert and marketing legend, Jay Abraham. Sit in on a new kind of conversation designed to help us answer the most difficult question of all. What am I not seeing? In this episode, we're going to find out how a logistics company that supports Amazon can turn themselves into a logistics leader and pave the path for an acquisition by Amazon. Sydney Tarver is the founder of People's First Logistics, a company that specializes in the final stage of getting a package from Amazon to the customer. While the company has been a success, Sydney finds he's reached a ceiling for potential growth and needs ideas on how to become more efficient and increase profits. Nick and Jay are here to help. And before we get into the show, if you'd like to get into the hot seat, just head to theoptimizedpodcast.com and apply today. Jay, on today's episode, we have Sydney Tarver, who I met because he reached out to me on an on Instagram after being on a podcast and we were chatting, and then Sydney ended up coming to my event in Idaho. We only recently met a few months ago and uh, he's a really, really interesting entrepreneur. He actually played in the NFL in his prior life, and then he turned entrepreneur. And he's been able to impressively build a business with around, Sydney, how many people on your team? 80, 100? Around 75 to 80 right now, currently. 80 people. And he's really working on his business, not in his business, in the truest form of that phrase. I mean, sometimes I ask him questions. He's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> he's really been able to remove himself and really elevate himself and have a kind of self-running business, which is impressive. So Sydney, welcome to the show. And just to give you a little background on the format here, obviously, we know each other. We spent a week in Idaho. Jay is a genius when it comes to business strategy, marketing strategy, on this show, we're trying to find one or two opportunities for you that could help unstuck you, unstuck the logjam, bring your business to the next level. And we do that in a really interesting way by really just firing off a lot of questions. And this, this podcast goes in many different twists and turns. And it's really just here to help you and to find one or two big ideas. So anyway, with that, welcome to the show. Thank y'all for having me, both Nick and Jay. Uh, I listened to y'all's previous episodes. I really like what y'all do. Y'all got good content. I'm happy to be a part of the show. Sydney, maybe you could start off by sharing what business you're in. What's your model? How do you make money? Who are your customers? How do you acquire your customers? And then that could maybe kick off a bunch of other questions that we'll have. I'm People First Logistics Company. I'm a third party logistics company. My number one client right now is Amazon Last Mile Delivery. So my trucks, it's basically a franchise arm of Amazon. 
I just am responsible for hiring and managing the staff to run the routes, to deliver the packages every day. So my company takes all the risk. Amazon just supplies me with the packages and the route count and um, the tools to get the job done, like the vans and gas carts. But it's ultimately on me to get everything delivered and manage the labor. So the vans are theirs or yours? I lease them through a company from them, but they pay the lease on the vans. Okay. All right. So you take the risk of whatever they pay you to deliver that you can make a profit on it, right? Yes. Okay. And they pay you a, a per package? Yeah, they pay me but an hour of the route hour, 10 hour route. So I get paid by the hour. And then it's it's a per, per um, cents on the packages. It's, it's a percentage rate on the packages as well, per package delivered. So there's no risk on the hourly though, right? If they pay you $20 an hour, you're paying your people 15 and you're taking the difference? Yes. But you have to submit to them timesheets, I guess. So if if they estimate that it should have taken you one hour, but it took you two, then that's going to strike a conversation? No, that's on me. I have to pay the overtime, the insurance, the health insurance, the workers' comp, the van insurance. They give me the vans. They pay a flat rate where they're like, this is going to take an hour, and then it's on you to have it less than an hour. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Is there a risk that like, if a package gets lost, is that also a risk? Is that on you? Do you have to reimburse? It hits my metrics as far as driver performance, but Amazon ultimately refunds that. They might, if a, if one of my guys steals some packages, I'll just have to fire the guy. I don't have to pay any package cost or refund okay. the value. So, so your risk is purely on time to delivery. Like, <laughs> So for example, if they're telling you it should take an hour and all of a sudden a tornado hits and a hurricane hits simultaneously and... It takes four hours or maybe you can't even deliver it today. Do you also have to pay a, a, are you also at risk if you can't deliver it on a day that you've guaranteed due to some, due to some factor? I could say if I have 30 routes and only 25 drivers show up, I have to pay like 150 or a hundred dollar cancellation fee. But uh, other than that, if like you say, a storm happens, let's say it's a snowstorm and I got, got 30 routes and I need to get it cleaned up. I I have to take the cost if I bring in 35 drivers to make sure we get it done instead of risking it with 30 drivers in crazy conditions. Like, so I might have to pay two extra rescue drivers out of my pocket if I want to ensure that I'm getting everything delivered. And does that happen a lot, Sydney? I usually run with two or three drivers to clean up. I just make sure the numbers add up, but yeah, I usually overstaff. So because the labor is so crazy right now is you got to overstaff and then I'll send them home if they if I don't need them. But usually I try to run heavier than, than more leaner with the drivers. Do they just sit there waiting, twiddling their thumbs or are there other things that they could be working on that help your business, you know, while, while you're overstaffing? Usually if I'll train the bottom, I'll use my good drivers to train the low performing drivers on the metrics or I'll send them home or I'll I'll give them. Like if their if their score is bad, I just send them home because it's not even worth them hitting the road if their safety scores, their performance. I just send them back home and hopefully they quit or fall off by attrition. But my good drivers, I take care of them. I make sure they get some work, training or rescue. Wow. And so how many deliveries a day would a driver do? 
usually the routes are anywhere from 150 to 200 packages. Wow. And they have 10 hours to do it in? Yeah, they route the hours by time. Amazon uses a computer. I used to work for Amazon. We route it by time. So they're telling you in whatever specific zip code times 10 hours, it spits out these packages. You should be able to do these packages in 10 hours. It GPS routes it stop to stop. So it's pretty optimized coming from Amazon when they make the routes. It's it's pretty accurate for the most part. And it's predicting like traffic, like it knows that, you know, by the time you get to the last few routes and it's rush hour, that it's going to take longer to. Yeah, it gets wild sometimes still. It's still not perfect, but for the most part, for them being in this business, I would say seven to eight years, they're they're getting it. They're getting it down pretty fine soon. That's amazing. That's really impressive. So let's zero in on what you really feel your biggest either challenge or opportunity is that you're not fully really resolving or solving. So what would it be, Sydney, and why? My hardest issue, even I have a CEO team I delegate down to, it's the 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 communication with 80 drivers is kind of, it's still pretty difficult. Um, it's a lot of follow-up, getting them to clock in and clock out on time. It's it's just still like stuff that I want to tighten up and, and get them to like, the communication, like, I don't like, I want to automate the communication, but I still have a lot of loose ends I have to chase around. Not me, but my team. They have to do a lot of texting and calling and reaching out to make sure to manage the 80 people, their time clocks, their time cards. And they just are undisciplined or? I mean, we we blasted out. I have virtual assistants who, you know, monitor the time and send out alerts to, hey, clock in and clock out. But it's still they just. Still yeah, they still is it's still a hassle. Every day I get an email of fifteen drivers having clocked out for lunch and then that kind of hits the that targets Amazon and I get like penalties kind of when you have too many manual clock ins or too many late lunch. They might have took the lunch, but they're just not clocking in and out. What system are they using to clock to clock in? Is this an Amazon system or a system that you built? We use ADP. Is there a setting in ADP? I'm not as familiar, but is there a setting that every 30 minutes it clocks them out? I'm not sure on that. I just know when they clock, go to lunch, they have to manually punch in and punch out for lunch. If there's a way to make it so the default is that they're clocked out, they're going to be much more incentivized to start using the system if they, because then if they forget, they're not getting paid is the default versus if they forget they're getting overpaid. Like there's no penalty right now for them to not follow your process. So, you know, is there a way to, you know, so to speak, penalize them for not following process? I'd have to check. Amazon is very strict on kind of messing with people's hours. Like I used to go in and manually just automatically deduct 30 minutes, but Amazon reached out to me, whatever their system, they're like, you can't automatically tack 30 minutes out of these people's time. You have to, they have to manually do this themselves. When they go to lunch, they're, I guess, not driving at that point, right? Right. Isn't there a way also with the phone and the, you know, what is it called in, in a phone? A gyros, not a gyroscope. What is it called? Anyway, your phone should know if you're moving or not moving, right? There's got to be surely a way to automate this to know, you know, your phone is not moving right now for a certain period of time. Turn the timer off automatically. 
the Amazon app, the driving app that they use on my devices is not, they can clock in on their iPhone, personal iPhone, but the driving app clocks them out or it says shut down for a 30 minute through Amazon software. But my software ADP, it doesn't, it's pretty much used on the user from my, I can call a rep when we get off of here and see, but to my understanding, it's, I've tried to to do the 30 minutes. So wait, let me make sure I understand. So Amazon has an app that is accurate and they know if they're moving or not moving. So Amazon has a, an accurate uh, portrayal of how many hours a day a given driver has worked. Yes. And then, and Amazon gives you that data, right? Right. And so what's the purpose of having the the drivers logging anything? Why can't you just use the Amazon data and have the virtual assistant manually update ADP with Amazon's data? You can't do that because Amazon wants the people to... I've, I've tried to do things like this and Amazon sends you compliance audit issues. I've had many meetings with the team on... You can't... They tell you it's certain things you can and can't do with the people's time and pay. And you can't really mess with their pay and stuff like that with Amazon. They audit you. Mm. I've been audited a lot of times. Really? Yeah. When you sit down with your drivers and you say, this is so important, this jeopardizes our business, what do they say? Of course. I mean, when I'm there, of course, they, they understand and say it. But I, I, I'm asking my team, if is, is it not an automated like text app or something to text our work phones? Do you use tools like Slack or anything like that with them? Or it's like all text-based that you're communicating with them? They talk to the drivers through Sling. That's what my... um. It's it's one of the texts. It's like Slack. It's all a text. Everybody on there texting, group chat type. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And they're all in, in Sling. Does it have channels like Slack does where you could have like an all drivers channel? I think the channel is is one channel that's all drivers. And then you could also individually direct message them? Yes. Yeah. All right. So does everyone start at the same time every day or different times? Yeah, everybody starts at um, 1030. We get there, do the safety meeting, and then everybody hits the road. Okay. And so at 1030, then, is there someone that's writing in Sling in that channel? Like, hey, at all drivers, remember to hit the clock right now. Yeah, but we, I have to check on that. I'm going I'm to have to check on that. But usually in the stand-up meeting, my dispatcher checks everybody to make sure they're clocked in, like the device. Yeah, yeah. But then, but are you g- doing messages to everyone at at ten thirty? Remember to to clock in. Maybe mm-hmm. at sometime around twelve or one lunchtime. Hey, reminder to clock out during lunch. No, I'm gonna get that. I, that's a good suggestion. I'm gonna get them to get on that. I mean, that's an easy one, right? Does everyone end the day at the same time? No, if a if a fast driver, some people can finish in five or six hours with the whole route. So they just come back and come home. Let me ask you this, Sydney. Are they are the drivers driving the same truck all the time? Usually they are, but it's two sets of drivers. So it's a Sunday through Wednesday shift. And then it's a Wednesday through Saturday shift. But does it run two shifts a day or just one? Just one. Okay. But, you know, you probably could, Nick outfit the actual truck with just alarms couldn't you yeah but i'm also wondering if if there's other ways yeah i think that there's ways with the truck or with the phone but so sydney sometimes if you're a fast driver you don't give them more packages than what should be able to be delivered in a in a in a day just in case they're fast but they what happens if they're fast and they want to work more 
we'll send them on a rest, go rescue somebody who's going slow um, and take their packages. We used to do rescue bonuses, but now nah, we just give them, let them finish their time. But usually the the thing of finishing early and safe, if, if they finish in five or six hours, I'll still give them the 10 hours. That's usually the way that I try to bonus my drivers out. I see. So their incentive is if they do it in five, but you were estimating it should take 10, you'll still pay them for the 10. Yeah, because I'm still getting paid for the 10 hours. I'm still getting paid. Why couldn't you do something where it's like, hey, you're going to get paid six and anything beyond six, I need to see proof of you logging time. The default is just to always pay the same amount. But if they go over, then they only get paid for the overage if they follow your process and do what you're asking. Yeah, that's that's usually how we incentivize them with the um, if they do everything right, you'll get the bonus. If you're not doing X, Y and Z right, you're not going to get the bonus. But it's still I look at that report every day and it's just like, I'm like, what are these guys doing? Like, it's the com- I don't I know my people are communicating it, but I'm just I don't know. The human is it's difficult with human. Like, I can't explain it like I'm I, I'm not an expert in in this, but there's this has probably got to be a solved problem where instead of them hitting a start and stop, maybe it's a matter of that needs to be a company phone with certain software pre-installed. Are they using their own phone or is it a company phone? No, it's my company phones. I I install the um, the Amazon app on there. I have to check and yeah. see if they have the ADP, but most of the people have the ADP on their own personal devices because we try to make them. It gets real tricky if I'm going in there editing. Like I said, if I go in there and automate everybody's, okay, a hard 1030 start time, Amazon, whatever system they have, it's it's sending a compliance audit. It, it knows like I'm manually doing this stuff. Well, at the very least, you can you can blast message everyone at certain times. Yeah, I'm going to add that though. That's definitely a good one. Yeah, and also you can maybe... Start firing people that don't follow your process. Yeah. If you looked at a hierarchy, is that the biggest problem you have? No, no. I was the the thing, just the communication. I was just wanted to hear what do you think the best communication for a, a company with 75 to 80 people? Like, what do you think the best form of communication? But um, for that, and then my other problem was managing um, just workflow and projects. So I have... A van can get wrecked every day, pretty much. I got vans in the shops on some kind of uh, like it could be a tire, a transmission, whatever the issue is with the van. I have a fleet manager. I was wanting to know like a software or like a compliance audit, like whatever project that I have, like, hey, team, we need to get usually I'm using email, just talking directly to my CEO right now. But I want a platform where my that my CEO and my managers can go on and like move it down the needle. Okay, this van is in the shop. It's moved to, it's broken. Now it's in fixed status. Did we talk about Asana when we were in Idaho together? I don't know if you told me about that. I don't know if that, is that what you use? Yeah, so you would want to use Asana for that. Asana? Yeah, instead of email, you want to create, you know, tasks. You assign it to people. You know, they can update the status of things. And that's how you would track that. But thinking about just business strategy opportunities. Is that a big cost for you? The vans breaking? Have you thought about acquiring or, you know, if that's one of your biggest costs, what about 
acquiring a maintenance shop or a car repair or truck repair company and you bring that in-house so you you know lower your costs on those things that's super smart actually a guy another guy who has that he has one on site that does the same exact thing you just said i just never i haven't thought about it that's that's all i never looked at it but that's smart that's super smart how many how many trucks are you running Right now, I'm running usually 30 a day, around 30 routes a day, seven days a week. Wow. And and when, when do you have to have a backup when one's in the shop? Yeah, I got a lot of rentals. I'll go to Hertz or Budget and get get rentals and just pay the – well, Amazon pays the rentals. They do? Sometimes. It, it's sometimes, but sometimes they don't. You have to have your paperwork right. And then, Sydney, it's an interesting arbitrage place. So they give you X per hour – you got to pay uh, a share of that out. You rent, but they reimburse the rental probably for liability purposes because the liability falls on you, right? You have to maintain right. the insurance and everything. That's yes, probably what they do just for that purpose. So, okay, you you have to speculate that you can buy an hour of productivity for a lot less, including maintenance, depreciation, all the problems. And you and are they all are they uh, W2 or are they independents? They're W2. Interesting. Wow. That's so interesting. How do you grow that kind of business? What do you do, if anything, how could you grow besides acquiring other people's franchises? And, and also, are they hourly W2 or salary W2? My dispatchers are salary, but my drivers are hourly. You're pretty much at Amazon's will on your performance. My thing, if I wanted to grow, I don't know if I have the energy for it, but I would rather go outside of Amazon and find other clients to drive for. I just haven't put any energy or effort into going outside the Amazon umbrella, but I could easily get a fleet going for whatever company and do the same type of service. So let me ask you this, Cindy, when you started, did you start at 30 or did you have to work up to get 30 trucks? They put you on a plan, a ramp plan. I started with five. Two weeks later, you go to 10. Two weeks later, you go to 15 and 20. Usually during the peak season or the holiday season, you go up to 40, 50 or 60 a day. And then after the holidays, they bring you back down to kind of the 20, 30 in between that, depending on how your performance is. Are your truck leases week to week as opposed to yearly? We pay the trucks lease every month. But if you if you didn't need that many, would you get rid of them right away and, and you wouldn't be on the hook? The rentals, yes. But the, the trucks we have, Amazon automatically pays us. If I got 30 Amazon trucks, Amazon's going to pay me 30 Amazon trucks, no matter if I'm only using 20 or 30. They're going to pay me the same so they amount. They take that risk. Yeah. They take that risk. That's so interesting. Why were you saying, Sydney, you know, if you had the energy, you would move outside of Amazon. Would the profit margin be higher with other companies? At Amazon, you're only with their wheels. So they forecast me out. I know how many routes I'm running 20 weeks from now. I know pretty much the vicinity of routes I'm going to be in. It's not really growing. It's a volume share between it's eight other companies at the station that I am. It's eight other people who split up the metro Buffalo region. But I mean, you could still scale by going to other cities and replicating your model in other cities, right? Not with Amazon, because it used to be like that when I worked for Amazon, but they want the quality. So they want one owner operator running like the franchise. It's just one person like me in every, nobody has multiple. You're limited in your growth. 
And your yeah. income. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Huh. I mean, Sydney, if you got other clients too, you could theoretically write, you, you have the Amazon route and you have to go in a certain direction to deliver certain packages, but you could then also have other companies that you're delivering for. Could you double dip and you start putting other stuff in the truck and like... Yeah, the trucks are blue Amazon trucks. I would have to rent a whole fleet of... I could get a fleet of like white Hertz or budget vans, but I think Amazon, they track, they would know because... You have to do a lot of scanning in when you before, like, even if I take yeah, my I think van, that would be a breach, Nick. I think that'd be a breach. But yeah, the, the bigger question, whether you ask it or not of us, is if Amazon, I'm not knocking Amazon, they might be a great partner, but if they're not committed to your, your continual business growth, how do you grow other than if they give you a cost of living raise or something like that? Where, where, where's your... Where's your personal business growth strategy or do you not have one? That's why I've been coming to masterminds and that's how I met Nick, just trying to meet new people with new ideas. I've been working on building my personal brand, telling my personal story. It could be like a Joe Polish thing, right? Where he, you know, starts training carpet, like how Joe trained carpet cleaners. He could get into training people. Yeah, well, let's ask about that. Is there any way that you have, you can, if you develop, I mean, right now it sounds like you haven't, but if you could develop operational efficiency, as Nick would call it, that would save the owners an extra five, ten percent, and that would add another hundred thousand dollars a year to their bottom line, and you could charge them five, and there's thousands of Amazon sellers, I mean, uh, driver or, or franchisers out there, you could make you know a million dollars teaching them. Yeah, that's. That would be work because I know the people, the people that I use for my virtual assistants, they're like this. They're, they got multiple clients and they hire virtual VAs and run their payroll okay. or run their HR. I got it. So let me give you an idea and then, Nick, you can build on it. So, Sydney, how many people like you do you think there are in this country for Amazon? I'd probably say 1,500 to 2,000. Would you have any way of knowing who they were? Yes, we have uh, meetup conferences in Vegas like every year. So I meet a lot of them. And then I know everybody that I work with in Buffalo. And I know a few other people around the country. What if you were the source of best franchise practices? And your job was to constantly gather the most uh, efficient, effective productivity or productive things. All the different ones are doing differently and figure out and share with everybody who is a subscriber to your service. Maybe they paid $200 a month and you had 500 of them, which would be a million to a year. And maybe you spent 100000 having somebody constantly collecting them and another 100000 having somebody, you know, distill them into some kind of a, of a uh, whether it's a written or an audio or some kind of a, of, a, of a communication. But that would be sort of interesting, Nick. Yeah, that's why I was mentioning like Joe Polish was a carpet cleaner at first and then he got into, you know, creating content and training and then he started training carpet cleaners on how to sell carpet cleaning. I think the only way to scale this thing if that's what your goal is, it really depends on your goal, but developing like what what we're saying here and what Jay just said, um developing training and best practices, you know, this stuff like sling that you're talking about, the problem of, you know, the problem of 
you know, having people not logging time, I'm sure a lot of people are having that problem, right? Sure. If you could solve that problem, it would be valuable to not just you, but even more so, you'd you'd make more money solving that problem and selling the solution to the 1500 other people than whatever you're going to generate personally. Right. So you're I would say you're in the business of operational efficiency yeah. for a truck driving business and de- develop the systems and the processes, you know, tools like we talked about in Idaho like Process Street or Asana, you know, building templates in these types of tools, building standard operating procedures. And then it's only 1,500 people that are currently, but you have a much bigger market of people that aren't running this type of business that maybe if you could show them an easy, quick start solution to get into that business, you know, it's not just the 1,500 people. Maybe there's tens of thousands of people that would be interested in starting this business if you've already solved the hardest, most annoying, frustrating problems that there is to solve to get into it. You know, if you lower the barrier to entry... Does UPS do the same kind of model? Do people rent the same way? Do they have franchises? Yeah, UPS and FedEx does the same type of, they have the same type of programs. Well, that's great. If that's the case and you could, and you could identify, and it doesn't sound like you have all the best efficiencies yourself yet, but if you take the assumption that out of 1,500 of yours and maybe 15 or 2,000 UPS and 2,000 FedEx, you can figure out all kinds of operational efficiencies where one thing will save them, it will, you know, will save 10% here, 5% there, 3% there, but you could take somebody, and I have no idea, and you don't have to tell us what kind of money uh, a franchise can make, but let's say you make $250,000. If you can make an extra 75 and all you had to pay to learn it was five grand a year to get a, to be a, a part of the the productivity group or the uh, the operational efficiency advisory service, and you can make a point that you're always gonna you're always gonna gain a ten to one or fifteen to one return, and you got a thousand different you know whether they were Amazon or UPS or or FedEx drivers or franchisers or franchisees to do it, that would be pretty cool, I would I would imagine. I definitely I definitely like these ideas and agree. How hard would it be, Sydney, if you wanted to open up a like a UPS franchise, like on the smallest scale possible, like you just want to dip your toe into it, what what's the barrier to entry? I know a FedEx guy had approached me last maybe a year or two ago. They wanted to sell me theirs for nine hundred thousand. Whereas my Amazon opportunity the Amazon one only takes Amazon only needs thirty thousand startup capital, so it kind of seems yeah it's a different it's a different game the the numbers are different, but I don't know I'd have to do more research. And you're saying it's illegal, but it's illegal to buy. You can't buy anybody else's franchise. Not with I haven't seen in Amazon that happen, but in FedEx somebody tried to sell me. They approached me about selling me their FedEx um, route. Did they tell you what you were making? No, it was it was very cloudy. I didn't really understand the process, so I kind of walked away from that deal. Yeah. Do they have also annual conferences like um, the Amazon one? That I'm not sure. If I were you, I would be interested in solving the problem of how do you run the most efficient trucking company, not for Amazon, not for UPS, but just in general. And I would try to 
insert myself in the ecosystems of FedEx, UPS, Amazon, all these major places, get to know people, get to understand their processes. And then you could start taking all the best practices and knowledge from all these different places that are all doing similar things, but under different brands. And then how do you, how do you take all that knowledge, package it into intellectual property? And maybe after you're aware intimately of the processes behind the scenes of all these big places, maybe you'll see like, hey, no one has cracked the code for this problem of the timer or whatever it is. And aside from selling intellectual property, you might even find you have a software play down the road where you, where you help solve this problem. And then you've got, you've got your, if you're already in the ecosystem, you've already got customers right from the start. Right, like you know exactly what you're building, and you know where to go. You you have customers already. If you if you were to do that, now that's like down the road. The intellectual property and thought leadership side of it's much faster and easier. But that's just something to keep in the back of your head. That if if you really become deeply knowledgeable in in terms of the gaps across all of these places, and maybe what you'll find is there's no gaps. Maybe UPS solved that problem, and they've got some software that actually you just never heard of. Right. I think that, Sydney, those are really good ideas. Are those the two biggest? Because it sounds like you can't grow that business. You're limited other than whatever, you know, if next if next year FedEx wants to give you a 15 or 10 or 5% bump for cost of living or whatever, unless they let you take over somebody else's route, you're limited to your income to whatever they're going to let you make, aren't you? Yes, very limited. So all this can be is either a ceiling-based income for you or a springboard for something much bigger. And it sounds like that what Nick said and what I said, it should be your path. You should say, let me see if there is a way that I can start with just Amazon because that's, that's apples and apples. Let me figure out if there's some way I can identify all the franchisees and find out from them how they do each function. If they figured out a better way, what's their biggest problem? What's costing them the biggest uh, expense? Where are they having the biggest challenges? And let's see if I can put a hierarchy of the 80-20 rule. And if I can help solve the top 20%, which will be 80% of the cost, of the, of the, you know, the extra cost or waste or grief or time, and I can help figure that out by finding the, you know, the, uh, the highest and best ones in the system who've already figured it out. And I can share it with everybody Then I can charge for that and make hundreds of thousands or a million dollars doing that. And if that model works, it could be the beginning of a business that did variations of that for other industries or other companies like a UPS or like a, that's probably a better path for you to, to use in your part time. No, I, I definitely agree 100% with that. And I know exactly it's a it's like a community dashboard app that all the Amazon drivers are in and they just talk about problems and issues all day. Every day. Sydney, there's always going to be somebody who's some degree better than others at each function. If you look at your business, it's broken down to processes and you look at how each process performs. If you're if you're spending are being charged either a lot of hours or a lot of costs because half your drivers don't do this. Somebody else might only have a quarter of their drivers or none of their drivers 
figure out who that is. And there's probably 10 uh, areas, elements, issues like that. If you can solve them all better, maybe not 100%, but you can show all the other franchisees that by learning what you have learned by exploring, examining, you know, uh, everybody in the system, you're going to save them time, make them more money, and it's going to cost them a fraction of what that represents to learn it and keep getting the newest ideas from you. That would be a great business. It'd be a great service, I think. I agree. A hundred percent. Hey, wow. We got your breakthrough. What other things within your business, does that pretty much address the, the, the issues you're struggling with? Yeah, it's just I'm I'm pretty not far, I'm pretty far removed, but I would just like to like streamline. So I'll probably look at the Slack. I'll probably look at Slack compared to the Sling. I'll try to get that. The Asana, I definitely could get tonight and start. That'll help me tonight. <laughs> yeah, and you're coming to my thing in in New York, right? We're gonna spend a day together in a few weeks. Yeah, this more. is more your your area than my Nick, but it sounds like he's got to get out. I mean, he can't give up his day job because that's his current livelihood, but I don't see that that business gives him any real growth. Do you? No, I don't. But I think that this is like a perfect merge of both of our skill sets. I I think basically to get out of, to get out of where he's at and to get out of where he's at, he needs to, you know, have a, a new type of model, which we've just talked about being, you know, in the thought leadership space. And, um, and so that's, you know, a, a new growth strategy or a new business model. And you do that by productizing your intellectual property and your processes. Maybe Amazon buys you. Yeah. Maybe buys the service from you for high multiple and you get Amazon stock and you retire to your own island in the Bahamas. <laughs> I need it. I need that. Sydney, you were, you were saying before that you had written a book. What, what was the book? The book is about how to get into the get your sprinter, how to get a start a trucking company with just your driver license and a clean driving record. You don't need any CDLs or no other certifications. Gotcha. So it's 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 your target market is someone that's look. That's what I was saying. But so it's not the fifteen hundred people. It's the everyone that's not yet in the space getting them excited to be in the space. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're investing the time to create content and a book to attract and excite people into this space, you might want to think about a backend offer before you release the book, you know, for whatever it is, a hundred dollars a year, you could join your membership where you do a monthly call to answer any questions they have throughout their journey of creating a, a trucking company, whatever it is. And then you could, you know, juice that up and you could have live events and courses and other things. But rather than just, it's a lot of work to put a book out. Jay and I both know know that uh, quite well. You really want to think about, are you, are you monetizing that book as much as you can? And it's not just monetizing. I mean, I'm sure your book is very helpful. And I'm sure for some amount of money, $100 a year, $200, whatever you want to charge, I'm sure that that is another revenue stream for you and would be very helpful for these people because I'm sure the book is great, but it's probably not enough to really get them to where they need to be. And they probably need extra support that you could offer. And that's just, step, you know, you're already on your way towards what we've been talking about. I hope this gives you a new spin of thinking. It, it gives you a whole different direction, Sydney. 
Definitely, definitely making me think bigger. I need to think bigger. That's all. <laughs> that's great. What is your biggest insight? The service education piece that you guys said about, I'm already in it. I've been doing logistics for 15 years, but why not try to target and get the efficient, the biggest, solve the biggest problems in the industry and try to package it into the property and should be able to sell that to anybody in the logistics, not just Amazon, but anybody want some sort of a logistics, try to, to package that up and get it to and them. Start with your own, start in your own backyard with Amazon. That's great. Very good. Thank you very much. And uh, and and let we would like to see what you do with this because if it's your problem, it's probably everybody's problem. If you can solve it for one, you can solve it for fifteen hundred. No, for sure. I thank you. Thank you to everyone at home or on the go for listening. If you find this show helpful please hit the follow or subscribe button. It does wonders for the show so more people can find the optimized podcast organically. If you'd like to be on the show, we have an open invite to anyone who wants our challenges solved. If you want to get in the hot seat, you can submit your business right now at theoptimizedpodcast.com. If we think you're a good fit, we'll get you on the show. If you have any questions or recommendation, drop us a comment right here, wherever you're listening to your podcast. We'd love to hear from you. See you on the next episode.